Pick up your paintbrush, it's time for Hobby Support Group. Hello, Tom. Good morning, Andy. How are you today? Well, <laughs> the cough was not planned. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm through the other side, hopefully. I've got a little annoying cough. So if you want to keep count at home of how many times I do a little cough, um, you know, feel free and let me know at the end. Well, hope you have a tasty beverage to soothe that. Well, I have a. I have two litres, or actually 1.75 litres of delicious Diet Coke to get me through the morning. Oh, if, if, if we're doing measurements of fluids this morning, I have <laughs> 700 millilitres, or for our US, this is 24 ounces of mixed berry squash. How, how do you measure a volume in a weight? Maybe it's an ancillary podcast we could do. Weights and measures. Weights and measures quarterly. <laughs> Did you know in China that they had a standard sized bowl for measuring out um, rice? And then, then the, the guy would come and check them and he'd hit them with a stick because they'd ring and they'd ring at a certain note because the volume was the same should be the same and everyone's it's it should make the same size. if it was too big or too small it would make a different note and that's how they had standardized measuring measuring that's cool it's a good fact isn't it that's that's a, that's a fun fact there you are we'll have more of those kinds of facts on weights and measures quarterly coming soon to another podcast uh let's speedily move on to uh you tom you feeling well I had a busy month actually Thought it'd been quite a quiet month, hobby-wise, really. You know, hardly seen anything of you as you've been quarantined. Mm-hmm. And actually, sort of when I was typing up the show notes for this, I actually realised it's been quite a busy month. Ooh. So we've got quite a, a, a filled show today with all the hobby update sections. So we've got some hobby progress, hobby purchases, news, and we've got some games played. And then we hopefully have a mosey on through the gallery. Oh, oh, I'm looking forward to, to that. I've got our transport already sorted out. I think you're going to enjoy it. This uh, looking this forward to seeing that one. So, shall we jump into hobby progress? I think we should. Hobby progress. I started the month off by completing my last salute purchase, which was the Zone Alpha Beastery. <laughs> I wish I was completing my last uh, <laughs> salute purchase. I think it's it's the first time ever that I've completed all of the salute purchases within a year. Mm-hmm. And I think I've actually done it in, what, five months? So That's very impressive. Go for me. Yeah, this is a, a Zone Alpha Beastery that I built to be able to play Zone Alpha. I think I've chatted about it before. It was... I wanted to do it on a budget. Because yeah. I thought, you look at actually, right, if I need to buy... Six dogs, six ghouls, some zombies, some mutants, and all this stuff. But you, you price them all up before long, you're spending 50 quid on Beastery for a game yeah. that you might not play very often. So, mooching around Salute, I picked up various bits and bobs, and I think I got it all for about 15 quid in the end. And it, it's just things like, right, rather than having feral rats, they're like some beast like some gribblies that are really bases covered in gribblies 
rather than having some zombies there are some like giant toxic snails why not they work like a zombie no uh then for another i got some tentacles which just on like bases and they're just like you know a graboid they're another kind of monster so that's all stuff so i can play zone alpha all it means is you know instead of creature a use creature b you know i think probably um in retrospect you could have just probably looked for your bits box and found you know i think anyone out there's got a reasonable size collection i look at my fantasy models and like because i've got models that i've specifically bought for zone like i bought the rats from um oh, what was the game that came out and then went away and came out again this cursed city. city i bought some rats really cheaply people for me eBay sellers they were selling them off bats and then i got rats um mats and bats to use for that game but probably looking for my collection i probably could have found some models i think you can do all it is i probably could have done i just i wanted them that they were all the same so you just go right i've got eight of these here we go rather than well we've got three wolves a bear a rabbit and a deer hound they're the feral dogs or you know actually i quite some like I, i've got somewhere a load of like 28 mil scale dashings they might be quite fun as the feral dogs angry dash hounds that's what we were on then after i sort of finished those i actually moved on to what i think is probably going to be my mystery item on my oval list for 2022 which is a couple of blood bowl teams because it's inspired by all your Ooh, recent chat of, of blood bowl i had the 2016 blood bowl set knocking around because i bought it but then made a dark elf team to actually play with so had never built the orcs or humans in the box so i got those out a couple of quick uh bits of google realized that the like teams have been updated for the new version so you know bought a goblin off of ebay for i think one pound 80 something and then painted that up so i've got an orc blood bowl team Fantastic. ready to go and yeah. i've also by the time this episode goes out i'll also have the human team done as well which and that one i just bought a ogre and a halfling and i didn't buy the specific like star player ogres or halflings i just bought a generic ogre from the ogre team and a human from the human team and you know again a couple of quid each got them painted up and they look really cool i've spent my time a little bit painting the humans in that i've been doing colors that i don't normally play paint so their base color is like a, a light green and then the rest of them is a lot of whites and yellows norwich but, city yeah so it's so all trying to sort of paint whites and yellows which are two colors i normally quite struggle mm -hmm. to paint i'm trying to get out of the habit of avoiding painting colors that i'm not very good at painting actually getting yeah. to practicing at painting them so yeah these humans have got quite a lot of white and yellow on them off at a tangent i posted up a picture of some models that um william my son got out a load of my models we had a, a play battle on the table and i took a picture and then i looked at the colors and i realized that i was using a lot of the same colors across those models and I'm, i guess I, might, I probably have a palette that i'm using as well just to go off on a bit of a tangent here tom 
we probably are, are all guilty of having old favourites. So I, I always use this uh, German camo brown and I use this wash and, and a highlight with old wood or something, you know. And you know that works for brown. And so you just end up doing that brown on a, loads and loads of models and, and not really trying new things, I think. I'm probably guilty as well, and I should probably try and do a few different colours as well. It's a good idea, Tom. As you were saying about how when we paint, we probably all have like a a relatively limited palette of colours that we use. I know I, I definitely do because I have a a little tray that I keep my paints in when I'm painting, yeah. and like a lot of those probably like if there's 15 paints in there, 10 of them are probably the same from project to project. Yeah. And I mean, beyond black and white, I mean, you know, there are there's certain browns and certain yellows and certain greens, certain blues that are just on my desk that I always use the same ones. Yeah, it's like if it's leather, it's going to be brown leather. You know, it's those. And you think, well, like, especially things like you, you're painting a lot of greens and that sort of stuff. Or I use a lot of field grey for everything because it's yeah. like, is it a grey, is it a green? It works for pretty much everything. And you just go, actually, I'm not going to do these field grey. I'm going to do them like a brighter green or a lighter grey or actually yeah. white. Let's sort of go there. And I, I've avoided painting white for years and I've always done different shades of grey because it's just easier. And I don't like doing multiple thin coats to build up a colour, whereas it doesn't turn you into a pumpkin to do three or four thin coats of white. I actually find the apothecary white from GW is actually is pretty good for doing white. That's my go to these days. Oh, I have to try that. I haven't tried that. I, the, the, I did struggle with painting black for a long time as well. I couldn't get a black that yeah. I really liked. And then I found the army painter black uh, and the Vallejo flat black. So both sort of work all right. Um, so that they are my go-tos now then after i so that's what i've got painted up and but then i also we've had some gorgeous weather here recently so i thought it was it was prime priming weather i know i saw it off my window <laughs> as i isolated <laughs> so i cleaned up and primed the bavarian soviet republic and the sacred band of thebes Ooh. which i intend to sort of get painted up in april and then I think I will make a start on my 28 mil Napoleonics. I was supposed to be making a start on them after I'd finished these Blood Bowl teams, mm -hmm. but then the Bavarians and the Sacred Bands sort of did a song and dance routine for yeah. me to prime instead, because I think my French might be becoming the a Chaos Dwarves of 2022, of what else can <laughs> I do? Before I do them. <laughs> so, but I did do my Chaos Dwarfs. That's the thing. Yeah, they, they, they could be like a great motivator in me getting through all the rest of my projects. Because we're now here at the end of March. And I've, I've got six things ticked off my oval list. So, yeah. you so, know, well have that giant project that scares you. What will you do before you get around to doing it? It's, Everything else. <laughs> it's quite a good well, I've done up a lot of big projects on there so that I have lot, nothing left but big projects now. So, you know. Yeah, I think like the, these Blood Bowl teams. Oh, I actually forgot one other army I painted. Uh, I painted up my SNLF army 
which is really the mainly some reinforcements for my main Sino Japanese war Japanese. But that was yeah. just sort of like thirty odd riflemen with a couple of officers and bits and bobs. They were the warlord plastic and metal SNLF kit. Relatively nice models, really easy to paint, fun to paint. They came out quite nicely. Which bits were metal bits? They have when you buy them, you get they're just the normal plastic sprues for the Japanese infantry, mm-hmm. and you get a bag of metal heads, metal uh, like gas masks and pouches, and a couple of metal officers with some okay, extra, so, like, metal arms and stuff. And it didn't. I, I still have memories of broadsides or some sort of towel suit that had like the tiny plastic feet and these huge metal guns you're supposed to stick on them and they used to fall over and like metal las cannons on plastic space marines used to fall over um on the whole they're not too bad there there are on the sprue there is like one figure which is on one foot running on each sprue so you end up with like Mm -hmm. half a dozen of them they do tip over right but i've i've magnetized the bases okay and the ones that were a little bit top heavy tip over Mm -hmm. i just like glued a couple of tiny little rocks on the bases before and that they're now fine Mm -hmm. but as you know i'd say they're probably like one of the slightly more old-fashioned upgrade kits in that you know you get the plastic sprues and here are the metal bits that you add on but they are they all go together really easily. It's not like a, a huge amount of work and they look pretty good. But yeah, they were really nice to paint, easy to paint, base them up there. Now another project ticked off and I can now play some more interesting lists for like my Battle of Shanghai themed yep. army by having some reinforcements. Yay. So that's my hobby progress for March. How about yours, Andy, when you've not been coughing and be <laughs> So I guess I'll just, just it's, um, let's deal with the elephant in the room or the COVID in the room. So you will know from last episode, I had a stinker of a cold and I was like, this must be COVID, this horrible cold, which then was not. <laughs> and then I actually got COVID. So I've been sort of wiped out a bit by that. So I haven't really been playing any games for like the last three weeks. I haven't been. Well, I thought I hadn't done much hobby, but um, like Tom, it turned out I had. So lots of undercoating. I undercoated my uh, Portuguese line infantry. I undercoated um, my corn blood bowl team. So I could start on that and get that started. Um, I painted up some 10 mil. Uh, I finished off my 10 mil Roman auxilia with spears. They're done. I just have the bowmen to do now. And the bowmen are done. That'll be a tick on the overlist. I started so well, I was like, I'm going to get, you know, maybe get two things on my overlist done this month. And then I got COVID. So I kind of put the kibosh on on that. And you remember, Tom, do you remember me finishing my English Civil War Covenanters army in 10 mil? Yeah, the uh, it's always finished. And it, it, that's it. <laughs> Nothing is going to be added to it again. Nothing. So I did some dragoons and some lancers and some firelocks and some wagons. And the wagons are quite good because they're 10 mils. So actually, 
a horse-drawn wagon can be used for any sort of 10 mil game and it gives you some objectives to actually have on the battlefield so i painted them up all slightly different i did think about putting using some transfers on the back of them to make them i thought no i won't i don't need to number them one to four um not quite oh, did i do five in the end i think maybe i did five yeah i had one already and i painted another four so i got five but really yeah it's just just having the um, the covid and the cold it just completely took my mojo out of me and I just haven't been able to pick up a paintbrush and um but I did manage to mend some broken figures I've been this might be hobby purchase or hobby progress I'm not sure but I, I did go through my models and I was trying to find some things that um maybe were I loved but I didn't need to keep any longer <laughs> maybe I could find a new home for we'll talk about that in, in purchases but when I was going through that I found lots of models that I had even though they were stored in cases, had still broken. So spindly Necron models, the guns had come off or a leg had come off. And I'd, so, I, so I fixed those. So I did get some hobby progress there, fixing, sorted out my plastic boxes on my shelf. That was the heavy lifting when I was riddled with the COVID. So even though I was still in bed, I was like, oh, well, I'll just sort these boxes out. That's something fun to do. And last night I made some really good progress on getting my um, British Airborne assembled as well. They're not finished yet, but it's still, you know, it's. I might not be ready to pick up a paintbrush, but I can still start. I can still, as long as I'm taking steps forward in my hobby, I'm still progressing. But I think I'm just going to have to sit myself down, Tom, and make myself do some painting. I think that's what I need to do. Just say, just get on and get some stuff done. I wouldn't put yourself under any pressure, really. I, I, I personally would say, if you're not feeling like painting, just take a break from painting for a while. It doesn't really matter. You know, I would say it only probably may become an issue if in six months' time you've spent six months of building stuff and haven't picked up a paintbrush and you just <laughs> think, I, I no longer want to paint. For years and years my system was i would build something then paint it then build something then paint it and then when i was really ill a few years ago i got to the point where like i couldn't really paint but i could like sit at my computer and build stuff and so i just ended up building loads of stuff and not painting any of it and i'm still like what i try to do now is for every one thing i build to try and paint two things just to try and clear some of that backlog but at the end of the day, this is like a hobby that we do for enjoyment and brings us joy. It's if you just feel like building all your powers and then, you know, building some Portuguese or something and get around to painting it in the future. It's not like you don't ever do any painting when you've got your mojo going and you've, you've painted loads of stuff relatively I recently. I just, I, feel, I just I just I like to get things finished. I feel. I feel guilty because I've got, I know I've got the War of the Roses stuff. I've got my uh, American War of Independence and six mil in there. And there are two projects and my Portuguese line infantry. They're three big projects yet to do this year that I really want to get onto. So I just want to get these, these other ones sort of out of the way. Certainly get these 10 mil auxilia finished. I'm halfway through that project. That should be something I could get done, you know, and, and get onto those six mil Prussians as well. 
I've got so little left to do on those from last year that it would be a shame not to finish them off. I think also it's one of the benefits of using like the overall list approach, though. It means you can be in a way like a little bit scattergun with your hobbying, but still working towards like a relatively limited overall goal. It's like mm-hmm. well, I'm doing a bit here, a bit here, a bit here. Doesn't really seem like I'm actually getting any real progress on any one project. But then all of a sudden you've got like three four things that are like nearly done and you go with that little bit of effort on any of those and it all says boom 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 yeah you're right i mean i'm still i'm still recovering and so i should just take it easy really not to be so hard on myself i think it's just it's a lot easier to build things than it is to to sit down and paint them because if if i could paint things as quickly as i build them well you know i'd be a happy man with lots more painted models like I, i don't know about you but i'm easily Easily, like one day of building is easily like at least a week's worth of painting for me, if not a couple of weeks of painting. <laughs> More. <laughs> yeah. I, I have enjoyed I have enjoyed building these powers, though, I tell you what. Oh, just a public information announcement. If you're looking at the back of the powers box, as I'm, because I'm building the exact list that the British Airborne Bolt Action Starter Army comes on the back of the box. And it says like 10 men with an NCO and two men with, with submachine guns. So I'm like, is that an NCO singular and two men with submachine guns? Or is it an NCO and two men with submachine guns? The answer is it's the NCO and the two men. So three submachine guns in total. I went and did the maths and checked it. Because I did sit there and go like, is this my COVID brain that's all cloudy? Because <laughs> I can't, is it? Is it? An NCO and two submachine guns, or an NCO and two member submachine guns. It's like, yeah. Now you know the answer. I've saved you going and get your book from the shelf and doing the maths. Hobby purchases. I suppose this is is hobby progress, really. I actually sorted out a lot of my models. Mm-hmm this month and actually i sold quite a lot of models i actually ended up selling 160 pounds worth of models wow yep because i had a uh, like a gw fantasy orc army in bits that i sold and a bunch of space orc stuff as well as a variety of rogue trader vehicles there was like three projects that i'd been collecting bits for for over a decade stopped buying bits for them probably four or five years ago and they just been sat in a box yeah and i got them out looked at them i said oh i'd really like to do that or call me but it's like but will you actually play with it or is it just going to be like a a money hole that you and like do you are you going to play with it or is it just something that you would think would be cool to then sit in a box and never be used i think we're at that stage in our our hobby progress like hobby life if you keep painting armies eventually you're going to have lots of painted armies and you have to make choices about which ones you're going to play with it's something we talked about quite a lot i think recently like i have far more games than i can play yeah and I, i have more armies for games that i want to play rather than so it seems redundant to build armies for a game that i don't really want to play but i just like the models or 
it had the, the nostalgia kick yeah for it and so it's just easy it was much easier for me to go i'm not even going to have the moral quandary of what i do with them i'm just selling them yeah. getting the, getting the space and then I, I did actually buy some models this month i bought three models which were for the blood bowl teams yeah you know uh, as i've said you know a goblin a halfling and an ogre they're just the that they aren't the special ones they're just the generic players so they were yeah. cheap and then i bought some I spent eleven pounds on some magnets to further magnetize some more of my bases because I'm, I'm trying to fully have all my storage magnetized. Yeah, because it just makes transport storage so much easier when you can know they're not going to fall over and chip. Because I've had all my stuff in trays, and like you said, you found lots of your stuff that in cases was broken. Yeah, I don't know how it got broken. It's just been sat on there in, in the box, in the shelf. And yet you open it up and you go like, just the pressure, I guess the foam or something has caused it to break. Yeah, so all, I'm fully magnetizing my stuff. And you know, I found, I've been buying these 25, you get 96 25 mil square stick-on magnets for £3.50. And oh, wow. You, like, you cut them down and like two stickers will do three bases i think so you need to post a link to that on the group tom yeah they and why well, I, I found those stickers mixed with the sticky back ferro sheet mm -hmm. are like strong enough to like hold like any metal 28 mil scale mini yeah securely you can like turn them upside down and shake them so they i'm really happy with those because oh I, yeah um like I've been looking and decide trying to work out how I want to base and store my these twenty eight mil Napoleonic French. Yeah. Because I want to play some sharp practice and that sort of stuff with them as well. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to just purely multi base them like I did with the English Civil War right. armies. But then actually going, right, so if I individually base them all and put them in movement trays and that sort of stuff, it's actually quite a commitment in cost. It's like you working out, right, so I need, like, we still haven't quite decided what size units we're doing. 72 but, men, right? <laughs> but, like, if, if we go for, say, like, even, like, 24-man units, that's two movement trays per unit 10 units that's you know that's 24 movement trays before you know it you've spent 50 60 quid on movement trays for your army so i'm trying to work out oh yeah what is the way i do it with, without being like absolutely nickel and diming it but going do i need to spend more or less what i spent on these models on movement trays for them or is there a a more affordable or an easier way of doing it do i need to multi-base do i need to individually base the whole army so uh, it's i mean there's a whole discussion to have about ancillary products like storage and movement trays that are you better off buying a whole other army that maybe you won't use and you have to do this work for or do you make that one army you already have like secure and playable because i know with the many would be king the many would be kings that is little movement trays for my 15 mil guys made that game so much more playable than it would have been moving them individually um i am more of the opinion that 
like multiple if you've got more than like 50 men on a table you have to use movement trades otherwise it's not fun it's just you know i am not playing i do not intend to play like napoleonics with dozens with like hundreds of individually based men it would i would rather die (laughs) (laughs) oh here comes a hill and they all start falling over (laughs) no it's just not at all fun it's it's like i really like what i did with the english civil war armies where it's just right this entire unit is on one big base it's playing it like kings of war yeah it's just, just very simple and i will come up with a system which i think what i'm probably going to do is maybe put them on like 40 mil squares and just have like four dudes on a square mm-hmm. and then that's what i'm doing with my portuguese is i'm just doing four men on, on a square and then like rather you, than your unit being like 24 individual bases <laughs> it's four yeah and then possibly what because i will probably be mag i will definitely be magnetizing them for storage just then like a strip of ferro sheet which the four sit on it sticks them together but you can't actually it doesn't actually it will be you know two mils thick so you can't see it but it just keeps the four of them together so you can move them about stops them falling over but like in the past i've generally bought like bases of movement trays and stuff before i've built the army Mm-hmm. So then, like as I build each model, I like put it on its base and I put them in the trays. And it's especially when you're doing like you're doing things where you can pose them and that. If I put this arm and this shield here, are they going to rank up to the person to the left and right? Of yes, them? the old multi-base problem of like, oh, yeah. Are they gonna? Is he chopping the guy in in the head? <laughs> but I think because these Napoleonics are all quite like statically posed, I think I'm just going to build them first and then actually see what their footprint is like when they're built because mm-hmm. at the minute for me they're all on sprues so I'll so i've built my... my portuguese infantry and they're quite straight up they've got the gun on the side there's not a lot of <clears throat> arms waving around things yeah. being swung you know they're not dynamically posed unless you count marching in a straight line dynamic no because i also want to see how small how I'd quite like to get them on like as smaller bases as possible, so they they look more shoulder to shouldery. Like, I'm I'm intending to use forty by forties. Yeah. But if I can fit them on thirty by thirties, that might look quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it it depends what the consensus is, I guess, with everybody else, so we can make sure we've got similar frontages. I've already bought the bases that I'm going to use and you know if people want to use smaller ones or bigger ones I think certainly for um black powder I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference really I mean you can have different unit sizes if you want to and they really act the same don't they yeah I think like I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference really if somebody's got like 24 man units or 28 man units mm-hmm. don't don't think there's like a huge amount of difference naturally if you're going it if you're doing it just by the what do you get in like the warlord boxes if we're buying the models from warlord like some of them come with 24 man some of them are 28 some of them are 30 mm. so there's going to be quite a bit of like variance in there i think probably like maybe the only things where like it could become a bit of an issue is if like somebody uses 15 mil frontage for like a 
24-man unit and somebody uses 25 mil frontage on like a 32-man unit. I thought you were going to say the Austrians are their giant units. Well, I mean, I, that would exacerbate the problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be well. This You've got 100, like, you know, you've got 12 centimetre line and I've got like 30. guess you're being... <laughs> get around me now <laughs> well, it's, it's too far for a horse to ride sir <laughs> they are the people on this end can't actually shoot the unit in front of them because they're too far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean i think i think it'll be all right i don't i think you can you can work these are the, the minutiae that people worry about that actually on the day make very little difference no I, I think it's just me being anxious about this project i think it's why i've not started them yet because it's just something else to worry about oh how do i base them if i worry about the basing i haven't got to worry about the painting yeah any excuse i recognize i recognize my own problems <laughs> in utah don't worry i've got the same thing ah so i think you've also had like a, a bit of a sales clear out haven't you so um hobby purchases nothing wow um yeah, I just haven't had the urge to buy anything just because I've been feeling ill and I've got lots of things that need to be done. So it's just like, nope, I can't even bring myself to think about buying any more models. And I've, I've sold uh, like a figure case and old GW models, old rule sets. You know, I think it's about two hundred pounds worth of, um, of stuff I've sold now, and you know, I'm, I don't miss it. <laughs> I packed it all up. I'm actually because I was supposed to, it was supposed to go um, about three weeks ago, but then I also had the cold and then the COVID, so it's it means I haven't actually got rid of it yet. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's just stuff that was in boxes, and now they're going to be in someone someone's box in a different house. You know, I wasn't playing with them before, and I I took a hard, long, hard look at my rule sets. So um, like, hey Ed. How you doing? He's getting my copy of uh, For King and Parliament, which is a rule set I want to play. I have so many English Civil War rule sets. And one thing I've realised is I'm not going to get much time to play them. And also, you know, if, if Ed wants a game, if I want a game, I'd just say to Ed, let's play those, those rules and we can play them. He really wanted a copy, so I was happy to let him have it at a good price. So just being honest to myself about what models am I going to use? Do I need these models? Am I going to play them? Are they just sat there taking up space? And yeah, it's sad to see them go, but sometimes it's time for them just to move on to a new owner. Well, I, I think it's something that as adult gamers, I think at some point, I think for most of us, especially if you like live in a city, at some point you have to say, am I a person who is always going to be building and painting models? Then at, at some point you have to start getting rid of them because mm -hmm. we cannot just we don't all have like a loft of holding where we can just keep storing stuff indefinitely yeah and i think also i think it, it can be quite a a negative drain on the enjoyment of just having these huge piles of things that you don't play with anymore and they're just sort of there and you can have to go well i've got them maybe i should be playing with them but i don't want to or I haven't got time and it's just probably I find it a, like a distraction from the enjoyment and I've yeah it's a relatively new thing for me to actually start selling stuff because I've always been like I've got it I don't want to get rid of it you know oh what if I want it in the future 
I've got then try and source it again when I've already got it at the minute. So I might as well just live in a box. Whereas, I, I'll be honest. I think the stuff that I had and I got rid of, if I really wanted them again, I could just go and buy them on eBay. You know, this is it's nothing that's so rare that I can't go and find a dreadnought. You know, it's like no one's running out of dreadnoughts anytime soon on eBay. You know, no, I, I think that is, again, I think probably the thing of like being an, an adult is, you know, Oh, I sold all these orcs. If in the future I really want an orc army again, I can just buy one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, admittedly, like, I won't probably, I'd have modern orc models, not the character for 80s and 90s. They might even look better, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I, I just find like the, the mental, like, space of going, actually, you can get rid of this stuff that you don't really want. You don't yeah. need to think of a reason that justifies you keeping it or using it just going oh you don't really like this game it can go boom job done i've had this rule book for 10 years and yet i haven't actually played it i've brought myself to play it maybe i need to admit to myself after a decade i'm not going to play this game yeah and i think the, the the other ones that is you play a game of something and you actually go I didn't like that. That's a game I don't really like. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to then keep it out of self-spite. I've bought it, so I'm keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Au revoir. Yeah, why am I keeping this on my shelf when I didn't enjoy it? Like, get some of the money back. Yeah. Or just the shelf space, even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, there's some truth to that as well. Just, just getting some space for new stuff to go in that you actually, to give the potential to have some new stuff in there that you can store in that space is, is good. I'm looking at the the British powers right now. <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> oh, terrible things! <laughs> no, having, a cup I, of, having a having a nice cup of tea, I think. But I, I'm intending on selling some of my bolt action armies simply for the fact that I've got more bolt action armies than I can play within a two or three year period, mm-hmm. and I get rid of them. Gives me the opportunity to do them better in the future, like more interest better painted more interesting modeling at some point tom we're gonna have to have that conversation about that um about still mania we've never talked about still mania have we on the podcast i don't believe we have so uh richard stillman used to work at games workshop and he did produce um a list of rules for playing what's called still mania you have basically you'd like choose a thousand point army you build it and paint it and then that is just the army that you have and you just play with that army. And you don't buy any more orders for it. And even if you were playing a 2,000 point game or 1,500, you still bring the same size army. You just have one dedicated army. You don't have to collect every flavor and every every tank and every troop type. You just have a core army that you play with, and that's it. Well, that's definitely something that I try to do with games which like aren't like my main game. Where I go, right, I just want an army to play for this. What am I building? Here we go. And it is something that I try, I try and do and not get into the route of collecting. I think, to be honest, since I quit 40k, the only game I've gone into where I have collected stuff is some of my bolt action armies. Whereas like other armies, like, right, this is my deep penetration mongolian cavalry army it's fixed it's set i can't add anything else to it because i've got the models and that's it same as like you know early war force from jaeger 
it's what it is. I'm not adding anything to it. I mean, I don't do it by points. I do it by, <laughs> as you know, KR cases. So um, I can have as many troops that will fit and tanks are separate because I just love painting tanks and I could just paint tanks forever. Um, but infantry and troops and artillery has to fit in one half size KR case, which easily fits in the bag. And once that's full, I'm like, well, I'm not adding any extra. And for bolt action, that's really easy, to be honest. It's just, you know, it's actually, it's for some armies, it's quite hard to fill a half KR case. Yeah, well, it's it's exactly what we're talking the other week. With Ed, last week, we had about the six mil uh, Waterloo armies. You know, each of, like, the British fits in two trays. The French fit in two of the, like, MDF trays. And so that those sizes of the art, like... There's half a tray space in the French, so I can add some more French to it. Mm-hmm. But that's like those armies are not going to be bigger than fitting in that one box. Yeah, and it's it's four trays. So talking about all this, about what we're selling and not buying, and why we don't need more models and everything, shall we have a chat about the hobby news for all the things? No, I demand we talk about selling models for another half hour. No, let's go, <laughs> let's go, let's talk about the news. Hobby news. So we'll be chatting about bolt action and stuff, so we'll jump into Warlord news. There is some more Italian infantry and support options are about. There's new paratroopers, engineers, that sort of stuff. Also, a number of like German vehicle upgrades. So you can have like a, a radio truck, fuel tanker, mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. And the sprue sale is back. And is it? If I had to summarise the sprue sale so far in a single word, I would say underwhelming. It's it's not like it used to be, is it, Tom? No. Moving on from Warlord, something that I know you're sort of quite interested in and it's sort of like up your alley. So well, is this time for the new section? The Yes. Do you want to introduce the new section? A, a part of Hobby News, but it's a... A separate subsection. Yeehaw! It's Cowboy News Roundup. You have to make a proper jingle for that, Tom. I think I think you've just I think you've just freestyled us <laughs> the jingle there. We have the new plastic uh, gunfighters come up from Great Escape Games for Dead Man's Hand. Great game, recommend. We need to play it, Tom. It's really good fun. Um. So imagine my excitement when um, they bring out Gunslingers 2. So you can get your ladies, your lady Gunslingers can come and um, fire some hot lead in the streets of Tombstone. Um, you know, uh, it's very excellent. They look really nice. They're great value. You don't, uh, cowboy games are great because you don't need 40 or 50 models. You know, they're really good fun. So I'm very excited. And maybe we'll see some more plastic cowboys, cowgirls in the future. Well, it, it, it's cool to see that the game's getting some like extra support and more love, and it's, you know, it's, I guess it's a, it's a good sign that it's popular enough to warrant like a second plastic set coming out for them. Banditos or or something next, maybe. That'd be good. Well, we'll have to see what's in cowboy news next month. Cowboy news. <laughs> see what. Hopefully, there'll be some more cowboy news. So back to the regular scheduled programming. Mad Bob Miniatures is rescaling his 21st Panzer Division range down to 20 mil. It's currently in 
a 28 mil but like uh, if people probably most people who play world war ii era games in the uk know mad bob he is you know the man who has for so long made the weird vehicles you know the, the french especially yeah. the yeah. French and lot the, the Hungarian stuff, and he's offering if you, there's anything in his range that you want in a different scale, get in contact with him, and it's you know it's possible they can rescale it for you. So, you want those Hungarian vehicles in 15 mil or 32 or anything? Get in or touch. 12 and a half. Yeah. Rebel. <laughs> but I, I've got quite a few Mad Bob things. They are really nice sculpts. Good quality casts. Yeah. You know, and he's a decent guy. Check him out. Then, in probably like quite big news on the sci fi scene, Mantic have put up a pre order Firefight second edition. Mm-hmm. Now, Firefight is Mantic's like, it, it's a squad based sci fi game set in the far future. However, it's pointedly not grimdark. It's know they describe it as it's a future where capitalism has run rampant and humanity's grip on the galaxy continues to squeeze ever tighter so that's what like next week yeah yes <laughs> tuesday uh you know it's sort of built as a game will feature around 40 to 60 miniatures you know with infantry aircraft and a tank or two okay you know it uses alternative activations so like one unit goes another unit goes so it isn't that's, quite that's a much better i mean we're I don't know if I've ever had a discussion about I don't like the your whole army goes, then my whole army goes. Um, no, I'm uh, it takes an awful lot for me these days to even contemplate playing an I go, you go game. Yeah, um, I know we're playing things like Black Powder and that sort of stuff. It's slightly different because you only need a failed order test and it's your go again. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 have, I think I have a different attitude when I'm doing like a big Black Powder game anyway. Yeah, it's there's there's enough going on where you're not going to sit there for half an hour while you just take off all your models yeah and it's such a i think well i haven't played 40k for years but i know when i did play that alpha striker whoever went first is probably the most important dice roll of the game yeah anyway back to back to mantic and why this is better because you get alternate units you get alternative units you know the standard sort of like mantic selling point really is it's cheap and, and my second favorite price after free yeah you're looking like the pre-sale armies that they're up for the minute are like about 70 pounds where for most of them you get a bunch of infantry a, a vehicle and some support Ooh. options and it's it's pretty much like what you need mm-hmm. and the uh like the vehicle add-ons for it and stuff aren't particularly expensive like the ones that i've seen are things like 50 pounds gets you three vehicles Oh, that's really good. If this firefight game is as good as Kings of War, but in a sci-fi arena, great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Ronnie, if you're listening, send us one. <laughs> <laughs> and to a bit, a little bit closer to the real world than sci-fi gaming. War Games Atlantic have got the Conquistadors and Aztecs are now en route to stores. There. I've held off. I mean, I have just got like a big wad of cash. Maybe I should be investing in Aztecs and Conquistadors because, you know, I've only got two, three massive projects out there needing to be done. Maybe uh, I, 2023, Tom. I, I think 
I really like almost everything that War Games Atlantic put out. And yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I want those, I want those, I want those. And it's almost a Dominion having to go, no, you can't have any of them because you want them all. <laughs> I really want the Halfling Militia because yeah. who doesn't want Band of Angry Hobbits? But I, I do like those Conquistadors and Aztecs. And I think they might be really cool for something like the Conquistadors. Like uh, maybe like a reskins, like Men Who Would Be Kings style of game or something like that yeah. could be really fun um, and they're gorgeous models they are lovely yeah keep doing that good work not really sure how i'll feel about painting you know the 30th jaguar pelt on a jaguar warrior when i'm doing that but the secret is to get an actual small jaguar right <laughs> and then use it as a, like a potato print no um well I don't it's know. Uh, I bet by the 30th one, you'd be a lot better than you were at the first one. Well, the experience of dyeing leopard print in people's hair is you use a stick of celery. It's good leopard print. Top tip there, guys. Uh, not sure you can really get a scale piece of celery. <laughs> uh, then they also, Wargames Land also pr- uh, put a couple of preview shots up of something new coming out. Looks like they've got some wolves coming out, mm-hmm. and possibly some like armored lizard men or bigger goblin sort of thing maybe some more orcs i did love their lizards men i I almost bought a box of lizard men because i thought they looked amazing they i think the lizard men would be quite fun to fit into like if i got into like conflict 48 or something yeah i think some of those lizard men would be finding a way (laughs) into the army just mix and match with the ss plastics and have some Nazi space lizards because they're really strong in them. Exactly. Then we talked about GW a little bit today already. So, yeah, a couple of little bits of GW news. Uh, Cursed City is re released. Mm-hmm. You can now buy your copy of Cursed City. <clears throat> yep. I, uh, I don't know who, who, who I, do you think people actually care about Cursed City anymore? I think everyone's kind of moved on. That's my feeling, but maybe I'm wrong. I think maybe. it was like because we'd see we was we were like hyped up for coming and super yeah. hyped, and then it came out and basically no one was able to buy it. And I said, like, oh, and now it's come back. I'm not interested in buying picking it up, and yeah. I was really interested in getting it before just before it came out. Yeah, yeah I'm not buying it. Um, I do know a lot of people are, are interested in the relaunch of the Horus Heresy of interest to people of a certain vintage. Mm-hmm. It's the new Mark seven Beaky Marines. Oh, they look gorgeous. And um, I feel I've, I was out when they put me back in. <laughs> it, it, like I've been watching so many posts on Facebook and the, there was a test you could do, but obviously the test was broken. But I did the test and it said I should be Imperial fists was everyone knows that I'm a dark angel player. Filthy, sneaky dark angels. Exactly. Can't be trusted. I mean, I'm, there is some truth with that. I am a tactical genius and I don't like to leave my house. But that's meant me a fist player. <laughs> I will admit I'm purposely avoiding checking it out in any great detail mm-hmm. because I don't want those nostalgia hooks to draw me back in and yeah. get me back into it. I um, think I, I'm going to go and dig out my... I've got a case of Horace Heresy models. I'm going to dig them out and I might choose this time to see who wants to buy them yeah i think my uh heresy space wolves 
are going to be going now because I genuinely don't see myself playing it with them. Yeah. And if there's renewed interest playing them, like in the future, if there is like a sci-fi skirmish game that I really want to play, I might pick up a box of the Beaky Marines. Yeah. For the kick of it. I say that, I probably know if it came to me putting them in the cart, I probably won't. But yeah, I like the idea. Um, it's nice to see people really, you know, happy and jazzed about it again. Yeah. But, so, you know. I always preferred the Horus Heresy game um, to, like, the actual normal. Fo- I just It was just like, I played so many games of Marine on Marine. <laughs> I was playing the Horus Heresy anyway. So this new game is going to have its own separate rules from 40k that are just Horus Heresy rules. Well, I that's a good and it, it would I think it would be great for 40k itself if like these heresy rules almost like Age of Sigmar fantasy and just start again. Yeah. Go, we're doing something it's not just the 18th tweak of the same system that we've been doing for a million iterations. We're trying something new and going, right, can we, what is modern game design like? Not something that it belongs in the 80s. I mean, I always had in my mind that they were trying to move towards a better and better and better game that was getting more streamlined and better. Improved, more fun to play, simpler rules, but still had detail if you needed it. But I think I've just come to the point where they just, they're just going to release a new rule set every three years. And, yeah. you know, well, it's it, you start off with simple, easy rules, and then over time it gets bloated by more and more specialist rules. So, bloody miniatures do lovely English Civil War models, and you can order these lovely ones that have just come out. Go and look at them, they're beautifully cast. People, um, there's parliamentarians, there's royalists, there's just some. Like, we'll look like drunken losers, I think, <laughs> just running around. Um, a really good way of just dropping in a few metal models, really characterful models, into your army. Maybe in the front rank or, or something, just to give you a bit more of... Um, something a bit special in the unit. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, special models that you just want to, like, drop into things. Maybe not, like, for a full <laughs> army. <laughs> I've got time for this kind of conversation, Tom, you and your special models. <laughs> is um, Andrew May on Kickstarter has launched his Victorian Peddlers and Street Criers. Oh, yes. Now, unfortunately, by the time this episode goes live, this Kickstarter will have finished. Great. But <laughs> you know, this is something that you could have bought if you had a time machine. But check out his website, because I'm sure you'll be able to, they'll go up on general sale at some point. Yeah. And I love these models. Um, I've not backed them because I'm simply not buying models at mm-hmm. the minute. Mm-hmm. But they are, if you are familiar with like the works of Henry Mayhew, Punch Magazine or something like that, these are 12 characters just taken straight from. Oh, yeah. Picked, yeah, yeah. You know, the illustrations of those magazines. They're absolutely brilliant. You know, if you're playing like a Gaslight Cthulhu game or any kind of Victorian era role-playing game a couple of these dropped on your table or on your game is they're, they're brilliant you know you've got like jack a, the ripper game or zip zip by the way yeah you know you've got your spring your hunt spring heel jack and you've got the oh that seller. would be a good game 
hunt for Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. So there you go. And then again, some an, another like interesting range of, of minis is Crooked Dice. I've got their Pirates of Luna City. Oh, they look great, don't they? Add-on pack. This is one of their, like, their feature packs from mm-hmm. 7 TV Pulp. It's sort of like, uh, if you remember when we were talking to Crooked Dice, you know, it's it's based on a, a like a, a cliffhanger serial from like the 1930s, 40s that actually doesn't exist. Like a bit like Flash Gordon or something of those kind. Yes, but it's it's like of their own devising. devising. Like some of the models uh, and vehicles look like they're sort of worthy of a movie with a Saint Queen soundtrack. You know, they or like a a Brian Blessed cameo here or there. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. Highlander. <laughs> uh, I've I've got the Highlander board game, which comes with like half a dozen Highlander minis, mm-hmm. and the game itself is terrible, but the minis are brilliant because who doesn't want a twenty-eight mil Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery? Christopher Lambert to, to drop it any other game. I, I, I think I'm I, a Spaniard. I, I may have to come up with some rules for them at some point where you just get esoterical points for coming up with crazy backstories for your characters of why are you, <laughs> why are you a scotch speaking Spaniard? Yes. Um, weird. Or French speaking Scotsman <laughs> for that man. Who can only speak his lines phonetically. Uh-huh. Oh, I'd, yeah. Uh, check out Pirates of Luna City from Crooked Dice. It, it looks quite fun. And yes, they're standard. VHS and also go and watch Highlander. Apparently they're remaking it with Henry Cavill. So I'm... Um, Equal parts terrified and excited. It doesn't need to be. I, I watched it at the cinema last year, I think, with one of my friends. And it's one of those films that I think if it was made seriously, it would be terrible. Yeah. I, I think it only works because it's so bad in such a. It's like it's, it's at 11 in the 80s. You know, it's turned up to 11. <laughs> yeah. And if you try to do that 80s mentality now it would just look like a parody and it would be funny but not in a good way yeah like you, you want to watch highlander when it goes terrible watch highlander 2 you know it did it <laughs> yeah i've never watched highlander 2 and i'm very glad i it's... had the good judgment to go it doesn't need to be watched no it's uh it's an experience <laughs> as is bamboo under the fingernails <laughs> Not sure which is more enjoyable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, so like the final bit of hobby news really today is Footsaw Miniatures launched their fantasy game Coven on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. which was funded, but then they pulled it after a few days and are going to relaunch it at some point in the future with what has been described as like an improved campaign. And there's been like a lot of griping and moaning around this various sections of the hobby community, actually, like, why was it pulled when it was already funded? Was it an underwhelming campaign? Was it just, you know, were the stretch goals things in there that really should have been in the main book? I think like quite a few of the stretch goals were based around like improving the quality of the rule book. And the rule book itself was already starting off at fifty pounds, 
and I think I know how expensive yes. making art books are, mm-hmm. and like a good quote. This might sound very strange for people, but like it is possible to make like an art book and sell it for seventy five pounds, and actually lose money on the book. Mm-hmm. Like good quality artwork books are horrendously expensive to produce. So I, I don't know if they'd maybe misjudged it a little bit of going, is this a game or is it an art book, like art project? Are people buying it to play the game or are they buying it for the artwork? And mm-hmm. I, I think it's yeah. sort of like, like I was really quite interested in it because I like the idea of it's a fantasy game, but based more on like Slavic mythology mm-hmm. rather than like, the Tolkien Norse mythology that we're used to with most games. And it had like some really interesting looking character designs. Um, Like for me, I I personally don't think it was like a million miles away from Turnip. Yeah. But, um, but then, so like, I'm interested to see what they come back when they sort of relaunch it. But it, it did sort of make me ponder really like is Kickstarter sort of, losing its appeal or, or like changing how it goes are like are, are we as gamers like expecting more from kickstarter or not just because i i recently picked up bard song which is a board game that i back I think 2018 2019 mm-hmm. and like it got delivered and it's in like 6kr cases worth because like it hit a million stretch goals and it was like get an extra 250 models for all these different stretch goals. And it's just, yeah, I've got 30 of those instead of yeah. six. Um, so like, I, I don't know, like after it had hit all these stretch goals, now I knew when it turned up, it was going to be huge. Like I haven't backed any of those games since, which, you know, buy this hundred pound thing and get like 300 quids worth of stuff. It, it it loses its appeal when you don't really need the extra 200 quid's worth of stuff for me. Yeah. I mean, I go speak about my experience and I used to check like Kickstarter most days, look for new projects, back projects. I haven't done that for ages. Um, I guess I, I got so many things from Kickstarter. You back it when you're really excited about it. And then months later it'd come in and be like, Oh, don't know why I back this. <clears throat> so I tend to back projects that are not by large existing companies. I like to back projects by smaller people who literally are trying to kickstart their own business and start their own mo- model or gaming business. And I tend to be a bit more specific. So I think the last thing I backed on Kickstarter actually was the Crooked Dice. I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a lot more picky because. I think I got sort of burnt out of just getting things and then they arrive and I'm like, oh, why did I back this? I don't, I didn't think I, re- and when it arrived, I didn't think I needed it. It was just a, like an impulse backing of something. And then, and then a large box of regret was dropped off at my house. Yeah. I, I think there is very similar for me. I, I used to check it quite a lot. I would back things. And actually like, I probably backed half a dozen things before the first thing turned up yes and yeah and now yeah definitely like lost that enthusiasm for when it turns up months if not years later and 
I the, the things I back now are like weird things from like a man in a shed and it's like back this so this can come into existence yeah like weird narrative games like a, a recently I think the, the latest game I backed was uh love and barbed wire it's like mm-hmm. a world war one themed game about letter writing which I'm actually going to use for work and the last miniatures I backed was a couple of years ago or maybe last year was the Ragnarok dwarves which were amazing models turned up really quickly really liked them but even when the person who made those put up their like a uh, one recently of like undead norse i was like mm-hmm. don't need them really like i've got the chaos dwarves counters i don't need the zombie vikings so i think for me i think it has probably it's no longer novel yeah. anymore but i used to have like six or seven projects on the go you're right absolutely i have six or seven projects that i had backed and then it was coming in one by one and i just don't do that anymore and i'd, I'd be interested to hear from the listeners um if you have called to kickstarter like i need to really be specifically i tend to now hear about projects that are happening through social media and then i go to kickstarter and find them and back them instead of just being the one looking at kickstarter to try and find projects in there i wait to hear about the projects then i back them oh yeah definitely like all the ones i've backed recently which is is very few are ones where it's like i'm already a fan of the company things like the may 1940s fortune jaeger as like, yeah. i already like may 1940 minutes like fortune jaeger range great escape games uh hungarian cavalry that sort of stuff <laughs> like companies i like they go we're doing this range back it get what you need save a saving rather than yeah. just take a punt on something new so i think that's you know hobby news for this month yeah apologies listeners if it's been a bit moany gripey that's just me every so often you have to have a big old moan big old <laughs> moan um, i don't know i don't know why this footsore project was pulled yeah it's just very strange isn't it that it was there and then it wasn't there and yeah yeah, you have so, any theories? I believe it might be wormholes. <laughs> <laughs> Please share your theories on the Facebook group, Hobby Support Group. Yeah, we won't do a full games play segment today because episode forty-one was Ed and yeah. I talking about the game that I've played this month. We can cover my games play, Tom. I haven't I played any. Game... <laughs> it was a lot tougher than I would have liked for my games, to be honest, Tom. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Bleep that one out. <laughs> uh, yeah, not amusing. Get vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, but it's all good now. So I, uh, I think it's it's time for us to leave on this journey that we've been looking forward to for a, a month or so. And I know our listeners will be with bated breath to see can we beat the Ford Cortina from last month that whisked um, us around popular. Tom, if you wouldn't mind putting this blindfold on. Okay. Yes. Hang on, just around the back. Oh, there we go. A little knot there. There we go. As I'm going to lead you through to um, today's form of transport for the gallery. Da, 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 da. The gallery.
Here we stand uh, atop a wizard's tower, gazing uh, into the mirrors that surround. And Tom, do you want to take your your, uh, your blindfold off now? As now you can gaze into the orb. Oh, and not the, the orb. orb. Today we're going to travel within the confines of the ninth dimension, somewhere between the smell of green and our own understanding of space. We are going to use the orb to travel through the gallery. Are you ready, Tom? I am quite ready. Are your eyes bleeding from looking into the orb? My consciousness is being expanded as we speak. Oh, as we drift (laughs) between dimensions, between time and space, using the orb. (laughs) Gaze into the orb. Uh, Oh, look over there in the orb. (laughs) It's Joseph's Pikeman. Oh, I... The, the picture quality in this orb is amazing. Checking out the faces on these pikemen is... I struggle to paint faces. Joseph on these, has he's painted lips and teeth. Wow. Yeah. And this is it's so much... And the orb has frozen. And he has been trapped within the orb's confines. We will see no, what happens. the orb! Oh, the, the orb is now once again working. We are now back working. So oh, you. I, I, I lost in the transmission there for you for a while, Andy. Don't know what you were saying. Oh, I, I was experiencing the taste of the flavour of now. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. This, this is what happens when we go off script. <coughs> Luckily laughing doesn't make me go. As we as we um, as we form an inverse triangle, and we head towards Benjamin's lovely Necromunda and Orlock models, they look fantastic. Well done, Benjamin. Now, Benjamin, once again, you know, knocking it out of the park with some Necromunda stuff this time. These Orlocks are great. I think I really like the the sort of like the eighties denim vibe. Oh. They look great, don't they? they? Look really good, and I think he had a lot of fun painting them. That's why, it, reading his post, it sounded like he really enjoyed painting them. Yep, and the the cyber dogs as well. Just look oh yeah, really cool. Very much a, a fan of those. Okay, so, where you, are we orbing to now? The orb, the orb. <laughs> as we gaze at the orb. And we spin in a counterclockwise direction through um, this hemisphere. We end up by um, Stephen's uh, models of Cal Jericho. And of course, a wonderful Death Guard models as well. Oh, both of these are absolutely <coughs> gorgeous. I think that the, like, the green jacket on Cal Jericho is just straight oh, out yeah. of comics. Oh yeah, yeah, fantastic. He's gorgeous, like a lovely model, amazing paint job. And those Death Guard, you know, you don't want to, Come across those when you're orb when you're unescorted, do you? No, so you they're, wouldn't. No, they're just great basing as well. Oh, fantastic! You know, really all, all round great, and and welcome to the group. Yes, Stephen. Yes, as the concept of colours lose all their meaning and the orb transports us past the giant floating space baby, um, we find ourselves, of course, entering a pocket dimension that we call the Warren Standard. Well, yeah, 
while time and space may be quite an abstract concept to us at the moment while we're all within the orb the standard thing with the warren is is what scale is it so we've got it, the 20 mil british airborne that he's painted in their foxholes which mm. look pure <laughs> as always that you know are, are these like 54 mil scale for how detailed they are nope the tiny 20 mil dudes they look lovely they're probably six mil and he's just having a joke <laughs> of us tom and then the 172 jagdpanzer that he just you know claims to have just like knocked out it's again stunning you know the crew bring it to life but it's just a, a a gorgeous model amazing paint job and you know it's the warren standard for a reason indeed it is so, so as as we gaze into the orb and see our own grandfathers meet ourselves as children as we then travel backwards for our own genealogy to the birth of the universe and there we find ed <laughs> And his Imperial Guard advisors, some orcs and some lovely cannons. Well, what I like about Ed's like postings to the gallery is how eclectic they are. To go from your Imperial Guard advisors to some orc scam and then some cannons. It's just it's Ed personified. You think of Ed, you think of an Imperial Guard advisor crossed with an orc. Indeed. So it's and very much his general type. He's like his tactical abilities are very much similar to that. No, these are great. You know, I love those old spacewalk models. They're despite having just sold mine, they're fantastic. Really nice paint jobs. And I think the, these like what I like about these three different things is they show three different styles of painting. Or, or like the Imperial Guard advisors are just really cool, well painted characters. Yes. The orcs just look like they're from White Dwarf 1987. Um, I mean, we are within the confines of the orbs. They might actually be from White Dwarf 1987. And yet next week. Listeners will probably now tell me that actually you'll find those models came out in 1991, not 1987. But anyway, they look cool. I mean, I wasn't going to mention it, Tom, but you know. When did they come out? I think they were 1991. But Fortunately, we're in the confines of the orb, so time has no Time is meaningless in a concept of the smell of blue. <laughs> so while we still have some functioning neurons in our brains, shall we move on to our final destination? Well, yeah, as time itself flattens before curving in in a donut and um, releasing us from the confines of the orb, as we as we fly through a portal, we do see Ben. Um, has produced some incredible jungle terrain. This is gorgeous. Uh, it's so nice. Actually, uh, I interviewed Ben last night for a Meet the Hobbyists episode, which will be coming out soon, where we chat about it for an hour and a half. So, you know, listen no to spoilers that. Spoilers here. Listen to that in more detail, where we will talk about, you know, the differences between Italian seasoning and Herbs de Provence for Ooh. ground cover. <laughs> it's important. It's important, folks. How to, to add, how to add a sensory element to your gaming. So, you know, you know, Aromatic gameplay. It's it's that bit of coriander that really kicks it off. Indeed. Now, these are, it's gorgeous terrain. It's, I, I would describe it as, you know, 
it's rule book style terrain. And I think I just want to say like this week, like everybody's we've talked about today's models are simply gorgeous. Yeah. And like it's it's very hard when we do when we like pick up for the gallery. Like I have no idea what transportation we're going to take to you know show us <laughs> from each week. But when we like select actually what are we going to talk about, mm-hmm. it's so difficult because people are just sharing such amazing There's work. There's so much stuff on the group now. I can't keep track of it all. I used to be able to see every post. I knew every post when it came up. There's so many posts. There's so much activity and so much great, great looking models. Thanks, guys, because you're doing a great job. Yeah, and it just, I also like, I really appreciate when people go, oh, I really like how you did this or that. How did you do it? And people are sharing what they're doing and being supportive. And, and the conversations that are going on the group really makes the show worth doing. And it, especially yeah. like these hobby roundup shows that we do at the end of each month. You know, this is really for you, the listeners and the yeah. hobby community. You know, yeah. share what you're doing. Give us feedback. Let us know and you know thank you thank you so as i finally managed to tune the orb to netflix so we can watch some some tv um we can we can settle our brains down now tom and step away from the gallery well we can now as time comes back as to a a concrete concept we can now plan (laughs) for what we have planned for april do we have as my brain realigns itself, I have a, a couple of goals, uh, some gaming goals for April. Ooh. I plan to play some Zone Alpha. Me too. Some Keyforge. Absolutely. And a naval game. Ooh. Poseidon's Warriors. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so we will be giving that a go uh, soon. And hopefully playing Sam at that on Wednesday. Will technically be the last day of March I play that, but I'm it will count as an April game. Yeah. Oh. And then my like hobbying goals are I want to paint the Bavarian Soviet Republic. Because I feel like I've been a bit too mainstream with the armies I've been painting recently. Mm-hmm. So I feel that, you know, what happens when poets take over a city, I think is probably a, a good little change to the more hipster niche armies for a while. Then do the Sacred Band of Thebes. And hopefully by the end of the month, make a start on building that French 28 mil Napoleonic army. Yeah. So do you have any aims or are you just going to go with the flow and see oh, where I'm gonna, the yeah, orb yeah, takes you? I want to get some Blood Bowl played, um, get these powers fully assembled and just see, you know, I'm going to take it easy. Because, you know. Take it easy. In the words of the Eagles, Hotel California. No, uh, take it easy. <laughs> <clears throat> you'll never leave <laughs> uh, well, is that, was that, that sounded vaguely like a threat <laughs> anyone who's joined the hobby support group we didn't burn him <laughs> now, this might be the silliest episode yeah that's that bloody orb it's that bloody right? orb has fried my brain when you melted into a liquid form and all those clocks are swirling <laughs> around us that was the weirdest bit I think I'll well, choose but, a much more sensible form of transport next time rather than the orb. Well, we've gone from a Ford Cortina to an orb. It's it's, it's quite... Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's transport. If, if, if that's... If, 
if they're the, the two extremes of what we can do now, it's <laughs> I, I'm what do we have in July it will be an oh. interesting transportational choice. Uh, it's a, it's a... <laughs> Uh, Tom, thank, thank you, you very, very much, much, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> cheers, buddy. See you soon, listeners. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Bye.